Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Words are about to be spoken here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, presented to you exclusively by Podcast Heat and AdFreeShows.com. I, of course, am John Alba, joined as I am every single week by the woken one, the broken one, the spoken one, Mr. Matt Hardy. Matt, what's up, brother? How you doing? M-M-H. Uh, I'm good, man. See, Seth Rollins did that at Extreme Rules. He did the little RBD. I I, I, I I read about that. I saw that online. Yeah, yeah. He, he had the whole spray-painted singlet, uh, yeah. an, an homage, if you will. Dude, you know, right. uh, big RVD marks. So I'm all about that stuff. And oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You ever They're take a real good. nice snug kick from RVD? Many a time. <laughs> I, I'll be honest. A lot of times when me and RVD worked, it ended up being like a, a potato fest. It seemed like that. It was very, you know, like if he gets aggressive, that just makes me more aggressive too. We, we've had quite a few. Say, you like that style? Uh, I'm I'm okay with it. Yeah. Uh, n- nowadays, as I'm a little a little older, uh, you know, I, I like working. I like working solid. I don't like working super stiff though. That's fair. Uh, well, RVD, especially when he first. When he first came in, you know, people were like, oh, my God, I don't I don't RVD's going to kick the shit out of me. You know, he he, he would lay them in. But I, I, I love Rob and I love working with him. I work with him every day of the week. Well, Matt, it has been one hell of a week here in the world of the extreme life of Matt Hardy and the life of Matt Hardy, for sure. Yeah. Before we dive into any of that, I want to remind all you guys off the bat, we announced it last week in the middle of the episode, but I want to put it right at the frontier Matt Hardy and I are coming to you live at WrestleCade this year, November 27th, for a live edition of the podcast, A Reunion of Omega. And there are going to be a lot of big-time Omega stars there from back of the day, including your boy Thomas Simpson. I know he can't wait. Uh, What can people look forward to with this, Matt Hardy? Well, my name is Thomas Simpson, and I am very happy to be making my debut on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. That's Thomas Simpson, man, my Southern Belle. Uh, Thomas is, is great people, man. Huge supporter of the podcast. And uh, he was the guy that really helped us take Omega to the next level because he, he actually had money. <laughs> he wasn't broke kids like the rest of us. He actually had money and he was able to invest in us. So it's going to be so much fun. And uh, thank you, Thomas, for being you and always supporting this podcast, too. Yes. WrestleCade.com slash tickets. Mm-hmm. You can get your tickets for individual days and for the entire weekend, if you would like. There's going to be signings there. It's going to be a really, really fun weekend. Again, man, I, on the Sunday morning, yeah. after your boy George South holds a service, because that's his, that's his thing, uh, we are going to be doing a live show. I know seeing George South probably popped you in the video last week, didn't I? I did. I, I always, 
every time I'm every time I see George South on an indie show, he always takes a picture with me. He said, "Come on, brother, I got to get an updated picture." He said, "What else <laughs> am I going to sell at my table, brother?" What what a hustler, man! But but George George is great, man. I, I love seeing George. I, I love being at a show and interacting with George nowadays. That he, he he's the best. It it probably so huge when he said, "You know, I must love you, brother." If I stepped away from my gimmick table for a couple minutes to do this, which popped me huge. <laughs> There were a lot of great cameos. And now that you've had a week to kind of sit and take it in, and I know you've heard so much outpouring of support from all the fans around there. Is there anything you'd like to say about all that 30th anniversary? I mean, it's just all been so incredible. I want to once again say it here. I've tried to thank everyone personally, but I want to thank everyone that uh, appeared in the cameo video uh, in the, in the cameo uh, uh, celebration of the anniversary video. And I want to thank you, John, and the team for getting this because, dude, it took a lot of effort and a lot of hard work. So thank you so much for doing Absolutely. that. And then uh, I just want to thank wrestling fans around the world because I- I've said this since day one. Without all of you, there would be no me. I mean, Jeff and I, we've always believed that since day one. So thank you guys for uh, supporting me for 30 years. Three decades is a long time and still uh, still hanging on and uh, enjoying the ride. And thank you guys for, for taking this long ride with me. If you'd like to see some Extreme Life of Matt Hardy bonus content, you can head over to the House Hardy Twitch stream where Matt and Rebby did a watch-along of the 30 Years of Anniversary video with Rebby on commentary. And boy, that is worth your 26-minute watch once again in and of itself. I promise you that. Oh, boy. There, there is no one more entertaining than my, uh, <laughs> than my Bariqua, man. Uh, Rebecca Hardy, Queen Rebecca, going nuts out there. Her... Her reactions are just so genuine and so real and so truculent. Uh, that, that's my favorite word for her, truculent. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it, it was super entertaining. Uh, I'm so glad I was able to watch it along with her for the very first time, and we watched it live on stream. I'm so glad we were able to capture all her reactions. It was awesome. House Hardy on Twitch. Go subscribe if you haven't already. Revy does a great job there on Twitch. She does a great job on TikTok. The gothic mother, if you will. Yeah. It's it's definitely her gimmick. She's got that going there. The gothic Hardy. baby is over. Oh, big time. Big time. The gothic baby's over. Uh, and I enjoyed her appearance in the video as well. Now, i got to bring this up to you, buddy. Um, the firm. They kind yeah. of own your own your contract that's uh, uh, they don't they don't kind of own my contract they they own yeah that uh that wasn't great so uh it's gonna be a very interesting week of tv yeah i really i really don't know what to expect in all honesty um the one thing i can say is that uh matt hardy whether he is matt hardy one half of the hardy boys whether he is matt hardy the first version whether he is broken matt or whether he is big money matt um, he may be broken, but he'll never be broke. So, like, you know, uh, if push comes to shove, I don't have to work at AEW. And there are other places I could work. So we're just going to see how hard the firm tries to, to push me. And, and I guess we'll just see if it's possible, if we can coexist in some way. I don't know. Maybe I can turn all these guys baby faces. You think that's a possibility? <laughs> <laughs> well... We saw Stokely Hathaway take to Twitter. You went viral twice this week. You went viral for your video, and then you went viral for another video in response to Stokely Hathaway, who he does this little thing on Twitter where he likes to act a little holier than thou with some people and his his street cred. And he had a little bit of an initiation test to see if you'd uh, fit in with the culture. And what your boy Stokely didn't know is that Matt Hardy loves the culture indeed 
I got a letter from the government the other day. I opened and read it. It said they were suckers. Um, yeah, I think I'm only going to respond to Stokely in, in, uh, in rap lyrics. Okay. I think that's going to be my new thing with Stokely. Yeah, that, that was fun. And, and that is a legitimate, real, everything I posted about that video was real. And obviously I did it in fun because he, you know, posted this, this list and, and tried, tried to pull out my culture card, you know, to see, see how well-versed I was in, in culture. And uh, when I was 17 years old, First name Sham, last name Payne. He was a rapper, and I was a huge rap fan at that time, obviously. And he said, you know, I there's this uh, contest, a rap contest is going on. And and Black Sheep was initially supposed to be there. And I was a big Black Sheep fan at the time. You know, they were only branded as being from New York, but they were legitimately, they were from Sanford. That's where their family and their roots were from. But, you know, back in the day in 1991, uh, you had to be from New York or, or L.A. To, to be a big rapper, right? You couldn't be from a small podunk town. So uh, we, we went to this this joint where Black Sheep was supposed to be. They didn't show up, but there was a rap contest, and we went ahead and, and got in the, the rap contest. As you can see, this uh, people think this is a breakthrough, breakthrough material that uh, Isaiah is putting a do-rag on my head. I was wearing a, a do-rag, a little bandana in that video. Uh, I was rocking the Zubas. I pulled my shirt off to a, to a pretty good pop. And it's so funny. My wife kept asking me, why did you take your shirt off? Why did you take your shirt off and wear so videos? Oh, I was pretty happy with how I looked at the time. Yeah. I, I was working out pretty hard. <laughs> what, um, what's so, so funny so, is, Matt, people didn't even realize that was Jeff dancing. Yeah, I, I know. And still, one of my favorite things is just how he had the tag on his hat. And he would do that. He would buy hats. He's going, no, no, no. He's checking out, right? And uh, no, no, don't, don't take the tag off. I want the tag on. I want the tag on. You know, that was his thing. That was uh, that was in. Was and, the, and that was Vanilla Ice inspired. The dance was definitely Vanilla Ice inspired. Mm. The, the way Jeff cut his hair initially was uh, modeled after Vanilla Ice. Uh, the way he danced was modeled after Vanilla Ice. And then obviously there were a lot of uh, black dancers too that he kind of modeled himself right. after. Vanilla Ice was a huge influence. He's like, hold up, like I kind of feel like this. And if Vanilla Ice is a white dude doing this stuff, then I should be able to do it too. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how Jeff felt. You know, I'm admittedly not a huge rap hip hop fan. You you say Vanilla Ice, and you know, I just say stop collaborating. Listen, I said yeah. to the brand new edition. Something grabs a hold of me tightly, flow like a harpoon daily and nightly. Will that stop you? I don't know. Turn off the lights, low glow to the extreme. Rock a mic like a vandal, light up a stage, wax a trump like a candle. Just Damn. in the event that I'm ready to whip that out, I can uh, earn my card there, Matt Hardy. I like that's <laughs> I like it. But, but yeah, it yeah, man, it, it it was a lot, and and I don't know. I mean, I just. I've always been like that. Like true story. Like from when I was five years old, you know, my, my dad was a farmer and mm -hmm. before he went full time with uh, the, uh, the, the postal service and he was a full time mailman, he was a substitute guy and he ran every, the mail route every two weeks. So he had to do something to, you know, supplement his income obviously. And he farmed and we raised tobacco since I was five years old. I was five years old putting sticks on the stringer you know, as tobacco was coming through. And then as I got older, I did bigger jobs. You know, I would like put tobacco on the stringer. Uh, I know you don't know any of this terminology, but the people who do, they do. Uh, I would drive the tractor and I prime tobacco. And like, I prime tobacco with, with all, like all black people and Hispanic people, you know? So I remember hearing, hearing them rap while they were working. I thought it was like cool as shit. And then I also remember hearing, you know, uh, it was Mexican people and the Mexican people would actually be doing Spanish. I was like, Oh, can you teach me Spanish? And you know, I was like, I don't know. All I know is English boy. You know, <laughs> I, I thought it was so cool that there was another language that they could communicate right. with. And then that's even awesome. it's it's funny. My wife later said she said, "Oh, so you being in the back of being around all those people—that's probably why you ended up marrying me, huh?" <laughs> Which guy? Big big pop. Yeah, uh, that's. I mean, it's it, it's true because where you grew up, it's not like there was an opportunity for you to be assimilated into diversity, right? Like that wasn't 
really consciously something that could happen there. So that's your real world experience that you came up with. Yeah. And- I mean, but, 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 but look at, look at, I look back on those moments finally too. And I'm so right. glad, you know, I'm so glad I got that diversity right from the jump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it allowed you to do two things. Number one, it allowed you to say uh, no to Vince McMahon with his idea of uh, <laughs> a matitude being oppressed that yeah, we talked yeah, about yeah. on episode uh, one or two of this podcast, I believe. Yeah. And uh, number two, if you've been listening to the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, you're not surprised by this. Matt Hardy used to go one-on-one with John Cena in the back of the tour buses laying down freestyles. So yeah. that's that's inherent to you. And I just, I'm throwing this into the universe to manifest it, Matt Hardy. I like it already. Should one day, should one day Matt Hardy and Private Party earn their contracts away from the firm? And should Private Party, say, decide to go after the Acclaims Tag Team Championship? Mm-hmm. Maybe they got a call to the bullpen to take on Max Caster one-on-one. Uh, we'd have a little fun with that. I think maybe a six-man tag. Daddy Ass and the Acclaimed versus Matt Hardy and Private Party. Yeah. We, Daddy, we, ass, Daddy Ass versus Matty Ass. There you go. Scissor me, Matty Ass. There you have it. Who would have thought? <laughs> Daddy Ass looked good in the ring the other day, last week against Swerve. He always looks good, man. <laughs> Billy, Billy Gunn is, uh, is uh, ageless and timeless. No doubt. All right, Matt Hardy, we pivoted this week. We are doing Ask Matt Anything. Let's get your Matt fact in. Matt fact, Matt coughs when he swabs his left ear. That is among the most oddly specific Matt facts I've ever heard. It is. And I, 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 I thought about using that one forever, even back in the day when I was first doing the whole gimmick. I was thinking about doing that. When it, whenever I clean my ears, it, without fail, it's just there's something in there. It's almost like uh, when they hit the bottom of your knee and, you know, your reflex kicks your leg up. Like, I will cough every time I put a Q-tip into my left ear it, without fail. You find that spot on a dog, you're rubbing them, they start kicking their leg off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I got that spot, man, somewhere deep in my ear. Maybe I'll touch my brain. <laughs> All right, let's get We had so many great questions, and uh, I don't want to waste any more time, so let's do it. Uh, let's start with our boy, a wrestling historian. He says, any update on a second book? No, no real update to express, but I have started uh, jotting down stories from the past. Whenever they come to my mind, I, I'm starting to collect notes so that whenever the time is right to do a book, uh, I will have some stuff uh, ready in advance. And the beauty is this podcast is almost like a long form yeah. book in and of itself for you. Yeah, th- this is a, this is a, th- these events have been documented, which is a great thing. And this will be something that will make it easy to look back and kind of uh, do some research on my stories. Certainly so. Uh, we've got Ringside Rant, our pal RJ, who's the host of Repping It Up with your boy, Brian Hebner. Okay. He says, in your opinion, how critical is the referee in a match? Uh, a referee is very important, especially if it is a match that relies on the referee in a very specific role. Um, the more legit a referee can look, it is great. Uh, if, if there's time the referee needs to be put into a spot where he shouldn't see something or he should see something, that is crucial, and it can, like, make or break a match. So, yeah, the referee, you know, if you're just having a, a match where a guy has to count to one, two, three, he's not as essential. But if there's a role in a match where the referee is doing something that is very important, it's paramount that he hits it, or if not, it can totally affect the whole match. When Brian came up in the video last week, you threw up a V1. So yeah. that tells me there's a story there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, the background. Uh, there was a time where – Guys were drinking after a show. Michael Hayes was there, and he was Michael Hayes was 
tuned in. He he was there. He was at that temperature that he needed to be at, right? That he wanted he, to be at. He was beer wolf at that point. Yes, he. It, it was a full moon, and he had made the metamorphosis into beer wolf. And uh, Brian Hebner was feeling pretty good, and he was doing all that. And he kept Michael was being classic Michael, and he was just shit talking Brian Hebner the whole while. Da 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 da. He said, "Look at you." You think you're hot shit because you're a headmare. Who who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? And I was doing V1 at the time, right? And uh, <clears throat> he came up to Michael and put a V1 in his face. He said, I'm V1 now. And then he ran off. And then he would hide behind Michael. And then Michael would try and look for him and find him. And he'd go and he'd put his finger in his face again. I'm V1 now. <laughs> and he would run off. So that's that's. That's the story that is like embedded in my mind. Never think of Brian Hebner. Him continuing to put a V1 up in Michael Hayes' face, and Michael couldn't catch him all night. I mean, it happened for like an hour. I was wondering that because in my preparation for that video, Mike Kyoto and I were going back and forth, and he had a lot of good pictures that he and I'm yeah. gonna pass. I passed a couple of them along. He was the one that sent me the one of he and Jeff. Yeah, where they they are just having a good time in a pool somewhere in mexico looked like just in their element <laughs> in their element but uh he sent me one of you guys on a tour in japan and it probably would have been around 2003 and brian hebner is behind you looks like he may have had a couple of libations and yeah. just over your shoulder he's just throwing up the v1 yeah so, so that sounds about right he, he did i mean he, he loved that whenever i and and i i was inspired to do it i think whenever i started doing the v1 son uh, I love the, the, how the guns had gotten over. So I wanted my own thing that kind of represented me. So that's when I started doing the V1. But like I was really inspired whenever Brian Pillman would do the four horseman thing and he would shove it in people's face. I thought that was so cool. So that's where I got the idea to do it. I would do that quite often as a hill and I would shove it in people's face and have them turn around and whip my ass. But Brian, Brian loved that whenever I would hit the V1 in people's faces. So that, that's, that was his inspiration for doing that to PS that night. He was very excited to lay down a video for your 30 years. So Brian, Brian's great, man. He's such, such a good dude. Shout out to Brian, no doubt. Shout out, shout out to Brian Hebner. Love you, buddy. Uh, Josh Fields says, book your dream concert experience. Three acts. It could be past or current artists or bands. <laughs> who opens, who's in the middle, and who gets the main event spot? Mm. So you can combine rock, you can combine rap, whatever you want to do, Matt Hardy. Your yeah. dream concert experience. I think which probably are my top three favorite bands of all time. I, I would probably go with them. Uh I would put Public Enemy in it. I would put Kings of Leon, and I would put Pearl Jam in it. Is that and the it, order you're doing it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would put them in that order too. I'd put I, I'd put uh, Public Enemy on first just to hype the crowd up. I think mm -hmm. they would be hot, hype the crowd up right from the jump. And then I would put on Kings of Leon, and then I would put on Pearl Jam in, as the uh, the headliner. And it, it, it's hard to leave Tool out of that too. Tool was a big deal for me. A perfect circle too. Also love that project they had, but uh, mm, okay. Yeah, that that would be uh, that would probably if I had to swap another one in, it would be one of those two guys. I like that. Uh, Aiden, this is a great question we got last minute. I'm so glad we're getting it in. Any advice on how to stay on the right side of your pregnant wife? I feel like you've had a little experience with this one, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the first thing I, this is a, a piece of advice I give in my cameos when people ask for wedding advice, and I go and you listen very closely. I said it's very, very simple, but it's also very complex. Happy wife, happy life. Uh, that first and foremost, that 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 stands out. But when your wife is pregnant and she's going to be ill, and when my wife is pregnant, she'd be extremely ill. Uh, go ahead and accept that you, you're going to take you're going to take all the heat. Uh, you, you're going to take all the anger. You're going to take all the abuse that that is your deal and you deal with it. And I think the most important part of 
being able to handle that scenario is just emotional stability. You have to be emotionally in control. Uh, let them act out because they feel like shit. Their hormones are going crazy. Uh, they're physically miserable as it is. So just realize, just kind of like suck it up and uh, swallow your pride, swallow your ego, and just uh, stay emotionally in control. That would be my best advice. That's a, such a great question and feels like he might be asking for personal advice there. So uh, if you are expecting there, Aiden, congrats. And uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Brandy says, says, do you have any places left on your must visit list after being able to travel the world so much? It's a great question. Um, there was one place that I've never been to see a very specific set of uh, world highlights. And uh, that would be the pyramids in Egypt. I've never been there. I would I would love to do that. And as, as crazy as this sounds, um, uh, I've always I've always kind of dug Russia. Obviously, it's a very weird time with uh, Russia in the world. I, I would have loved to have been to Russia at some point and just say that you've been there. Uh, I think it's such a uh, the architecture is very unique and and uh, and and special. And you know, I, I love traveling the world. I've got to see almost every place, you know. But that would be some place that's probably something that isn't going to happen <laughs> anytime soon. You know, no. unless there are uh, some some big changes. So uh, I would say the pyramids and, uh, you know, like a, a Moscow or Russia would be cool if that was possible. You know who's got a lot of ties in Egypt now since you mentioned the pyramids? Uh, Ricardo Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was over there for a while. Yeah, he, good people. Big, big shout out to him. I, I really, really enjoy chatting with him. And he's done a great job, too. He went into treatment for alcoholism and he mm -hmm. came out of it and is crushing it. So uh, big shout out to our friend Ricardo there. Uh, we got yeah. a question from Brad. This is a fun one. This popped me when I read it. Would you take two shots of mustard if in turn Alba eats a soft boiled egg in front of you? Because I hate eggs with every fiber of my body. You strongly dislike mustard. Uh, are you doing that trade off there, Matt? Yeah, I'll take four shots of mustard if you eat the four. egg. Four? I don't know yeah. if I could stomach it. I don't know if I could stomach it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can stomach mustard. I mean, that was my joke for the longest amount of time. I said, the reason I like did so great on fear factor when it came to like the eating challenge. Oh my God. Oh. I said, uh, you know, our dad, our single dad, who was just a, a farmer, a guy who worked from sun up to sundown, he cooked for us. I said, so I was used to eating shit all the time. <laughs> that, that, that's my joke that I always ran with, but yeah, I just, I have a, a pretty good tolerance when it comes to eating. So yeah, I could, I could definitely yeah. take as much mustard as needed. If I could get you to absorb. That I, I just don't know if I could do it. I, <laughs> I really don't know. I think the most I'd be able to push with an egg would be as if it was in like a fried rice or a pad thai. It's basically chicken at that point. Mm. So I think I could deal with that. And Beyond that, not so sure. Uh, what, what about even like fried fried rice? That that's what I'm saying. Fried rice or pad thai. I think I could oh. deal with that. Yes, I think you. I could deal with that. It's essentially chicken at that point. Beyond that, no. I just gotcha. I can't All do right. it. Sorry, buddy. Um, Bobby says, Matt, if you had been in WCW as a singles competitor during the Monday Night War, who would you have wanted to have a match with? And the same question, but with Jeff as a tag team. Okay. Uh, okay. That's that's a good question. Uh, I mean, I, I think I would have to go with uh, with the Macho Man, right? That's, he said I, I knew that was going to be your answer. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that that that, that that's a match I'd always want to have. So I'll keep referencing back to that. I'm sure. Um, and then as far as the tag team, I, I think it would have been a lot of fun, uh, personally and professionally, if uh, myself and Jeff had got a match with Shannon and Shane of a uh, of three count. That 
if you had a match with high voltage to win the gimmick back. <laughs> that would have been great too. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good call. Yeah. Could have gotten that. Hey, WCW and the Monday Night Awards, funny. People romanticize the big main event hitters. They romanticize the cruiserweight division. They romanticize the United States Championship. The tag team division really was not great during the Monday Night War for WCW. Yeah, I mean, even yeah, when I started thinking about that, no, nobody jumped out, you know, yeah. to me really. Yeah, it, it wasn't built around that. I mean, it was really NWO, you know, like NWO and just the the, the top guy scene. I feel like that's kind of what drove it. In the cruiserweight titles, you said that was hugely influential and it never got all the credit it truly deserved especially at that time it's looked back uh at a lot more fondly i think michael burgett asks out of all the legendary factions there have been which one would you have loved to have been a part of and which version of you would we have seen in it okay um i, I gotta tell you i mean because they were some they were some of my favorites uh growing up anyway because it, it seemed very real i, I heard one of my friends say this description and it is really how I felt too. Like when I would watch NWA back in the day, NWA, WCW, you know, uh, especially before it became Monday night wars, Jim Crockett promotions, it felt like guys, it was like your dad and their friends. Like you don't want to cross them. Like they're, they're legit people. They'll like whip your ass, you know, <laughs> they'll, you know, cut down a, a, cut a switch off a tree and like whip your ass and beat you down. They're legit tough guys. Uh, that, that's how, you know, the Jim Crockett promotions and NWA felt right in the beginning. And then WWE was very, you know, a whole lot of glamour and glitz. But I would say I would have loved to have had a run with the Four Horsemen as Big Money Matt and been like a different, more serious version where I'm not talking about it, but like Ric Flair and uh, Arn and Tolly, you know, like when Luger was in there, I loved it so much. Uh, Barry Wyndham was so great in the Horsemen. I, I would probably say the Horsemen because I, I thought they were so amazing. And I, I love the Horsemen because they were like, they seemed like they were from my area too, with Rick being from Charlotte, North Carolina and whatnot. And they were kind of based out of there. So I would say, uh, I would say a more serious, aggressive version of Big Money Matt with uh, the Four Horsemen. I like that. Last week in the video, it was very apparent to you that seeing The Undertaker really meant a lot to you. Uh, you yeah. had a pretty good, genuine reaction there. So a Will Curtis 999 asked, what version of The Undertaker? was Matt's favorite. And if Matt could choose one other person other than Jeff to team with broken Matt against the brothers of destruction, who would it be? So let's start with part one. What was your first favorite version of the undertaker? Um, the, the, the original, I think, I mean, and even, even later on, whenever he brought that version back and the way he did it there, I, th I thought, I mean, that's just, that's the essence of the undertaker. You know, he was great when he did, you know, the, the biker taker and, uh, you know, big evil, whatnot. And, and it, I know he enjoyed it because it gave him a chance to like really be him and express his personality, which it was very similar to how he was, you know, a, a lot of the true, you know, Mark Calloway shined in, in that character. But I love the original version with the, the long chilling entrance where he takes his, I mean, that, that's like, it, it would give you chills. I, I loved being in the ring, whether I was teaming with him or working against him, whenever he would come out with that entrance. I mean, it was, it was amazing. I mean, just to sit there and be in the ring and watch him come down the aisle was just uh, it would give you goosebumps every single time. But what was wild about that is you mentioned he brought it back. I don't feel like he actually brought that undertaker character back. I feel like he brought the dead man part of it and then combined his big evil working style with the dead man character. And that's what we saw in the final act of the undertaker's career, those last 10, 12 years of it, which is insane that you can say, yeah, that was the final act of it. Cause he just kept going and going and going, right. but, but he got to be more himself in the ring. They got rid of the supernatural stuff in the ring 
but he still embodied the supernatural character too. And I felt that was the most complete version of him that we saw. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I guess I was kind of trying to allude to that to a degree. Like when, whenever he brought it back, he he did keep up like the same work rate he'd had. Uh, and, and you're right, they did like uh, kind of uh, they, they 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 backed up a little bit on like the supernatural over the top stuff. And there, there's some stuff too. Like I did Broken Matt, so I was I, I dug the first stuff that uh, Undertaker did, and I love the Papa Shango stuff too. Like I, I'm I'm okay with all that. Too. So like who's I, teaming with Broken Matt against the Brothers of Destruction? He said it can't oh, be Jeff. That's yeah, his question. I, I, I'm going to say it right now. I would love to do one with Papa Shango. Broken Matt and Papa Shango. Maybe, maybe, maybe Papa Shango has uh, possessed the essence of Broken Matt, and I'm, you know, I'm doing his bidding. We take on the brothers. And then there's vomiting and everything. We, I don't know about that. We've seen, <laughs> seen some weird stuff over the years with Papa Shango. Uh, but we, I know we gave you that soft boiled egg and you could just legit. <laughs> That's <it>. right. <laughs> no special effects. It's not even supernatural <laughs> shit, John. Godfather's a good brother, isn't he? Oh, yeah. He's a great dude. That's what I thought. Uh, all right. Let's see. We got David D. Never asked about this before. I've heard you tell me a story privately about him, but thoughts on Jake the Snake Roberts. Ever since I was younger, you and him were my favorite two. So hearing about what you think of him would be cool. Um, I'm a, I'm a, especially Jake, when he was real hot in WWF back in the day, I, I loved his work and I thought his psychology was like so, so good. I, his, his character work was tremendous. Um, he, you very much believed what he was doing. I remember when he had that, that little thing, when he was doing the deal with Undertaker and uh, Ultimate War, when he was doing, trust me, trust me. I love that that stuff so much. Trust me. And uh, one of the funniest stories about about Jake is there was a meeting. He was kind of getting a trout, I think, to kind of have us work in the office. And I don't think he was where he needed to be in life. He hadn't got things in order, but he was getting this little bit of a trout. And I remember he came out. He said, all right, guys, well, we got this and we got that. And they got you guys having a match. But, yeah, I'm just going to tell you guys, like in the meeting, I, they're going to hire you guys in a little while. So just hang in there and keep doing what you're doing. And I'm like, what? And we're like, we thought he was just like bullshitting us. But. Apparently it was true. And it's like, he wasn't supposed to say that to us either. I guess that was in a, you know, a fall of 97 or whatever. We're like, yeah, sure. Right. Sure. You are. Of course. You're just, you know, you're just telling us that to string us along, trying to keep us happy. But he was right. In the beginning of 98, we were signed. Um, I, I, I like Jake. I've got to interact with him. Uh, some at AAW. He's not here a lot nowadays, but he's here once in a while. And it's just, he's a guy who has lived uh, a crazy life. So he's got a lot of stories he can tell. And uh, it's very good to see him in a good place. It's good to see him uh, healthy and happy, as I like to say. It's my description for living a good life. So he's been through a lot of shit, man. I think he was an amazing performer, especially from a character perspective and the fact that he didn't look like a lot of the other wrestlers did back in the day, but he was still over on the highest of levels. I think his WrestleMania promo against Ted DiBiase is one of the greatest promos in the history of professional wrestling. And whenever I do coaching with the Monster Factory students or anything like that, I always point to that promo as like, this is one that it tells you everything that you could possibly want uh, about a person's character, their motivation and their end goal. And Jake really was a wizard on the mic back in the day. And I highly yeah. encourage people to go back. I get a chance to host his podcast with diamond Dallas page right here on the podcast heat network, DDP snake pit. There's a story. He's an amazing storyteller, Matt. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and there is an incredible story. We did an episode on the undertaker a couple weeks ago 
and I'll send you the actual link so you can hear him tell it. But I, I do want to s- summarize it for our audience who may not have heard it. And he's talking about traveling with Percy Pringle, Paul Bearer. <laughs> right. And this is back in the early 90s. They get booked in North or upstate New York. They get booked in. And there are honeymoon suites. You know, the big beds, the window ceilings, big bathtubs, all that stuff. Each one of them gets their own. Right. And the next morning they come down they're meeting for breakfast and paul bearer comes down to jake he's like oh jake it was horrible it was the worst night of my life and jake's like what happened and paul's like i was in the bathtub alone drinking some champagne i got out of the bathtub i went over to the bed and it was the worst thing that could happen to a single man and jake's like what what happened he goes or or to a married man rather he goes what happened because well, I looked up at the ceiling and I saw myself buck ass naked. And I said, "Your wife must be one sick bitch for wanting to fuck you every single week." And just oh my god, dude! Oh my god! <clears throat> Ball bearer, Jake the Snake Roberts, stories like that. That's what these podcasts are all about. Yeah, you know? Paul, Paul Bearer was an incredible storyteller too. He was also he would always like stir up the shit back in the day. He he was very <laughs> funny though. He 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 loved the the concept and in the terms of the rest of the court, you know, making sure the young guys were kept in check. He would, he would stir it up. He was funny. I like that. Uh, let's see. We've got a good one from Connor on the piggybacking of our 30 years of Matt Hardy episode, which is available in the archives, extremehardy.com. Congratulations on 30 years in wrestling. If you could go back in time, what match would you do again? Hmm. So whether you want a do-over, whether you want to re-experience it, whatever it may be, what match right. would you do again? Interesting. Um, as far as matches go, uh, <laughs> maybe maybe there's a, there's one time there's a match that uh, we had with uh, Head Cheese, the Hardys, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the, the finish was supposed to be <clears throat> with Steve Blackman, who we've talked about uh, once again. Uh, lots of love for Steve Blackman. We were doing a little deal where we were beating these guys, and I was going to end up hitting him with a moonsault body block at the very end. And, like, we do the spot, we go through, and he just kind of had to be there for it. And uh, he wasn't necessarily the best one at choreographed spots. Mm. And I do the moonsault, and he just kind of sidesteps me. And, Mr., you know, whatever, I just look like a like like a buffoon flying through the air because, he, he you know, I just was depending and counting on him being there. And then uh, I, I know he like picks him. He's like, "Oh shit, what are we gonna do?" And I'd already like rolled him up in a small pack. Just, just, just stay, just stay. You know, whenever the finish was happening. So uh, that that would be that would be probably one that pops out my mind. I really mm-hmm. wish that finish would have came off good. It would have been good, but I would have, I would have approached it very differently in this day and age with this current educated, beat up brain that I have now. I would have, uh, I would have done a different finish that didn't rely on him having to be there, <laughs> per se. Uh, something that he didn't have to, you know. Uh, if, if, if he if he forgot that it was going to look terrible, <laughs> it, it wouldn't have been that. It would have been something I could have controlled a lot more. Was it a TV match? It was a TV match. Okay. So it's, it, that, that, that footage is out there. You, you'll be able to track it. Yeah. I'm, I'm <clears> and, and, and then also one thing that I will say, uh, because I feel like whenever I came back during the whole Edge deal, I would have also changed that promo because I like thought emotionally as opposed to like thinking from a character perspective too. And I, I went to a direction that I, I shouldn't have gone in and I thought it would sound tough or hard, whatever, but it, it was the wrong direction. I would definitely redo that as well. Which one are you referring to here when you stormed the arena and you 
Super yeah, whenever, whenever, whenever Vince hired me back, I was in the ring and Vince called me, called me out to the ring, and I did that promo. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, okay, okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. At some point, we'll get into all that stuff here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. I want to get into this one though from Adam Carlson. He says, "Best sandwich you ever had." Easy, uh, Queen Rebecca's bacon, egg, and cheese, salt, pepper, and ketchup, and her secret sauce. Not, not Isaiah's, Rebecca, Rebby, Mama. Your sandwich. You were the one that introduced me to it, and you have the best in the world. Oh, she was, she was, she was hot about that. <laughs> yeah, she, devastated, mm. crushed, mm. betrayed. Yeah, you gotta earn back those brownie points, there, pal. I don't want to. I don't want to burn my house down because it's our house. <laughs> <laughs> you you get that joke oh boy howdy do i uh i, mean, I guess we could tell it because she told it on the twitch stream sure, yeah. um, sure. so when i was putting together the video for matt last week <laughs> um i had texted revy a few months ago to get the video of her and the kids and <laughs> we're talking about the video and I was like, you know, I'm getting all these wrestling legends and stars from all these different companies that are going to be in it. I want you guys to be in the last spot. She goes, that's okay, but uh, there better not be any whores in it or I'll burn your house down. <laughs> oh, too funny. And I, I would have loved to see you. I would love to have had a a, a a live video stream on you and just caught your reaction on your face. Like I, we have a group chat. Myself, Dom, Weston, Josh, our production yeah. crew here, and I screenshot it and I just texted them. I said, "Oh, oh boy, guys, we gotta we gotta be careful with this one. Uh, I value my property." So <laughs> it was it was great. Oh, boy. They were my favorite part of the video. Genuinely, they were my favorite part. The house hardy. So uh, <laughs> right. Big, Big shout out to all of them for coming through. So, okay, the bacon, egg, and cheese from her. But, you know, we admit, Matt, bacon, egg, and cheese. I'm sure you probably find them delicious. I wouldn't be able to tell you because I'm not into that, as we know. Yeah. But there's, there's some there's some carbs in that. There's some, some high saturation, some yeah. fat in that. And guess what? You ain't getting any of that with Athletic Green Zone AG1. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Only the best. Only the best. And with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, aging, all of those things, and you don't even need to put ketchup on it. You see, it's going to cost you less than $3 a day, less than your sandwich that you're getting at your New York deli. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than that Sandwich you got to stand in line for, then you get the Snapple iced tea after four. It's cheaper than all that. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. You're investing in all in one new nutritional insurance. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy free, or gluten free, containing less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. And it supports better mental clarity and alertness. And Lord knows, Matt Hardy, Shane Helms needs all that. Oh my God, yes. Where I, I I think AG ones is the only thing saving him from dementia right now. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it is not clinically proven, but maybe it is. Who's to say? I do have to say this right now. I have water in my bottle that I refilled at the gym. Before I went to the gym, I had AG one in this water, and uh, AG one is how I kick off every single day. That's the shoot. 
and then he stays hydrated so he doesn't dihydrate. That's how Matt Hardy does it. That's how you should do it too with Athletic Green Zone Superfood Product. AG1s. And right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. And how many free travel packs, Matt Hardy? Hmm. Five. Cinco. Five. Cinco. Five. Free travel packs. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash hardy. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash hardy to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you, AG1s. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, It's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Let's keep it rolling. Why don't we, Matt Hardy? I I want to say, too, just I I want to interject real quick. This whole thing with Shane Helms, I loved on the, uh, you know, when all the guys were wishing me happy 30-year wrestling anniversary. I said, well, it's amazing. You really made it for 30 years considering how unathletic and how untalented and just our bit of going back and forth insulting each other is so great what goes around comes around and that no no offense but you had that one coming yeah no of course <laughs> no get give, give me the insults i want the heat <laughs> I'll never forget, speaking, of, speaking of speaking of booger t I, I get that from him there was one time whenever they were doing uh you know obviously drug tests and suspensions or whatever and I don't know what it was. And he was talking about shit. I'm working too hard. He said, he said, I, I want the drug test. I want to fail. He said, give me the suspension. I want to vacate. Give me the suspension. Give me the 30. Give me the 30. <laughs> and he was on the trip all day long. And I remember just dying about that. Oh, my God. Once again, Booger T, a funny dude, man. Shucky ducky, quack, quack. Yeah. This is a good one from Gabriel. Uh, it says, which are your top five wrestling theme songs of all time? And you can include your own if you would like to. Oh, okay. All right. Very good. Um, I think I will. Uh, the the Monster Magnet song became such a mm. such a such a thing that I love so much, and it, it's crazy. It's almost iconic, you know. Especially it's a genuinely when, good song. Yeah, no, it is. It's it's a genuinely good song. Really, really, really dig it. Um, something that I loved so much as a kid uh, was just Hulk Hogan's Real American too, and that that really stands out. That was so catchy. I I really did dig that. And uh, Macho Man's song I thought was iconic back in the day. It's hard uh, it's hard not to love that. I, I was I was a huge fan too of like Where's My Mind with Orange Cassidy, and I know they changed and got something different, but I I've always loved that song since Fight Club back in the day. So I, mm. I thought that was so cool, and I thought that fit really well with him with his whole persona. One more. Um, there's one and, glaring omission here, Matt Hardy. I'm uh, waiting to see if you can come up with it. Is this related to me or someone else? Uh, it has somewhat relation to you. Interesting. Um, 
Are you, are you thinking Bad Street? I'm not, but that is a great one. That, that, that That's probably one, too. That's one that stands out to me. Brother, if I was asked this question, which I have been asked this question many times, the answer is the brood theme five times. That's oh, it. my God, yes. <laughs> oh, you're right. Let me do that. I'm, I'm going to scratch your right. I'm changing my yeah. answer. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll throw that in there. Mm. The, the brew theme is Jim Johnson's yeah. greatest theme, in my opinion. You're, you're right. You're right. You're totally right. The backbeat, the industrial drums, the little yeah. vampire noises over it. it I mean, it's it's one of those songs when you hear it, it makes you want to run through a wall. Yeah. You know, especially when you're walking out with it. It is like, it's a great preparation for a wrestling match. We're going to have all this legit contact as it is. And I just think of Dave just bobbing his head side to side, smiling, yeah. sticking his tongue right. out. It's it's the best, man. So, right. yeah, brood theme five times. But there, there's there's some other great ones that I love. I obviously Austin's theme is iconic. Oh yeah, yeah. The game theme is iconic. Uh, do you have a favorite AEW theme currently? <clears throat> I, I, it, it Shout out to Mikey Ruckus because Mikey Ruckus rules. Yeah, Mikey Ruckus is great for sure. Mikey Ruckus is good, good people too, man. And very talented. Amazing what he does. He has an amazing story. Just the -hmm. the path that he took to get here is really incredible. He he came to you know the Hardy compound and we shot that ghost town video, which uh Mm -hmm. uh Rebby shot it and uh she also edited and whatnot. It's pretty pretty amazing. If you've never seen that, check out the the ghost town song that was uh Big Money Matt's entrance. Yes. Uh the the video is very cool too with, with myself and Mikey Ruckus. Um, the one song that just fits so good, and I, I wasn't sure at, at first, but just Mox having Wild Thing is so great now, and, and I think it fits. I mean, just because uh, Mox seems like a, a kind of like this crazy, unpredictable guy who might just do anything at, at, at a moment's notice in the ring, and that's like how he's in real life too. It's, it's so crazy. You know, he, he's a real interesting cat and that, that wild thing, he, he is a wild thing and that song fits him so great now. Mm. And, and I love how he's like been the heart and soul of AEW. And like, I, I think he's been, he's been the guy, you know, that, that is, that is, has carried and, and driven AEW more than anybody. When he comes through that crowd, just with his reactions and his, his unique mannerisms and wild things playing, that shit is amazing. That's, that's my favorite entrance music. I think right now. I, I got a few favorites in AEW. Um, Wild Thing's great. Uh, the FTR throwback theme is... Oh, uh, yeah. Wes mentioned, it, it, awesome. it is really good. That, awesome. that, 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 that caught on really quickly, too. Uh, Darby Allen's I Fell, which is so perfect for him. It right. fits him tremendously. Um, Kenny Omega's Battle Cry theme mm-hmm. is one of my favorites. Yeah. I mean, and uh, Lucha Bros, Cerro Miedo. That's an awesome one. So I'm into that. Good stuff there. Uh, I like when we talk music here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's see. Good question from Ben here. When you decide to be done, will you retire with AEW or WWE? Um, I I don't know. <laughs> In all honesty, I, I can see myself retiring with AEW. Uh, I love mm-hmm. being here. Uh, I, I love the, the family feel that it has, and I love just the, the lack of – horseshit and, and bullshit you know it's, it's pretty much straightforward and, and and tony is really good with working with people and remembering the human beings and especially people that have families and like allowing them to you know take time off and you know uh, address issues that there may be so he, he he's great with that and he works around people's schedules and whatnot so uh, i i love aw and uh i'm i'm very cool spending the rest of my career at aw you know, sure. I, I, with that with that being said, I love uh, WWE as well, and I think it's it's uh, a big positive that Triple H 
you know, has taken over and has been in charge. And I would imagine it's going to continue to change as it evolves over the next few years with him at the helm. Well, we know you're going to be a Hall of Famer one day. And Armando asks, who would you like to induct you and Jeff into the WWE Hall of Fame? Uh, I mean, to me, it just feels right if uh, Michael Purely Sexy Hayes is the guy that inducts us, Michael P.S. Hayes. That's, that's, that's the fit. I don't disagree with that in any manner. Uh, let's see here. Uh, uh, Ian asks, what was the biggest thing you would have liked to happen with the WWE version of Woken Matt Hardy that did just not pan out? I, I think just with the shortage of talent on the roster, I, I feel like Vince felt like he needed to get myself and Bray on TV every week. And we were having like these really weird, like three minute matches where we were facing other tag teams. And like, we beat every tag team and like, a three, three and a half minute match, you know, over the course, like every single week. And, and I feel like that kind of took away from those characters of Woken Matt and Bray, just having regular wrestling matches. I feel like th those are two characters that are much more vignette driven. Uh, you know, you're, you're in like remote locations doing unique things, whatever. And, and the matches are more like a special attraction and, and you make them mean something and they're longer matches and, and they're important then, you know, but I feel like just being carted out every single week, you know, Bray Wyatt and, and Matt Hardy, the, the leaders of worlds, and just having like a quick three-minute match, I, I felt like that wasn't doing anybody any favors. It wasn't doing our opponents favors. It wasn't doing us any favors. I felt like to continue to get those characters over, you have to like build the characters and, and build the personalities and put them in unique, uh, remote, different settings. Should have done more in the planetarium, personally, I believe. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe that's where it all went wrong. If we had just done everything in the planetarium and been over as a motherfucker. No, real talk, guys. The Bray Wyatt Woken Matt episode. I think that might be my favorite episode of this podcast, truthfully, in terms of deep yeah. dive stuff that we've done. And you guys need to go check that out in the archives if you haven't yet. ExtremeHardy.com. And someone that has been going to the archives is Bobby Clark because he says, Hey, Matt, just started listening to your podcast recently. So, okay. I've, been binge, so I've been binge listening to every episode. Oh. Thank you, Bobby. And had a question about the Matt, the Matt Rushmore episode. What are your thoughts on Bob Backlund being one of the greatest technical wrestlers ever? Bob Backlund versus Brian Danielson would be a dream match of mine. What do you say? That's a that's an interesting point. I mean, uh, Bob Bob Backlund was a, a legit guy, you know, who could wrestle. So yeah, I mean, I guess in theory he could fit in there. And the only reason I would probably say he is. Uh, omitted from people's list is because he was just like fundamentally strong. Like I feel like people that are scientific wrestling, scientific wrestlers nowadays do a lot more complicated, complex things, which I don't think Bob Backlund would have done that. But, but I, I enjoyed Bob Backlund when he had that, that, uh, that uh, last run in WWE. I, I really enjoyed everything he's doing, especially when he would snap and the whole chicken wing and everything else. But yeah, that's a, that's a cool answer. And, and I like that. And I think you've, you've, you've made a good point there, Bobby. Uh, Nick Tamacheski says, if you could go back and relive one moment in your career, what would it be and why? Mm. <clears throat> there two, two, two of the moments that, uh, um, that stand out to me, first and foremost, that just came to my mind, mind immediately when I hear this question, is, uh, is A, when we first won the tag team titles, and the crowd exploded in Fedville, and just that was like the culmination of our dream. We 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 had made it. We had accomplished what we wanted to accomplish. That was such a magical moment. I mean, that that stands out as a moment. I would love to be able to revisit if, you know, if uh, if you go to heaven and you get a moment like that, either that moment 
Uh, you know, when, when you die, if you've been good and this is how you're rewarded by living this great, phenomenal moment over and over and over again, mm -hmm. or the <clears throat> WrestleMania 33 return. Yeah. When we come out and go down that ramp, that was just such a magical, surreal moment as well. Would you just try to take that in a little more? Because I know you had to book your ass down the aisle there. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> if we had time and and we could, I would a, a million percent have uh, have had, had taken our time and, and really let that moment sit and let it uh, you know, let let it let it just be magical for as long as it could. Because we we definitely could have took much more time with that, and uh, it would have just made the people even more excited. Speaking of the APA, you saw your boy JBL return to TV this week, right? Uh, I, I I read about it. I, I didn't see it. I was actually traveling. So there were a couple things to it. One, he was wearing very large suit pants that people were trying to figure out what happened there. So I'm going to send you a picture of it. And next week, you can tell us what you think of the suit pants. But uh, on top of that, when he showed up on TV. Was, was, it, was it just like one of his old suits, you think? I don't know. I think living you know, in Bermuda or Aruba, wherever he's living, there's probably not a lot of tailors out there. Being real, like that's probably the yeah. case. So, um, but I'll, I'll send you a picture of it as we do this episode. But on top of that, when he came out, I got so many tweets, and I think you got tagged in a lot of them. I, I, did, like, I did, I did see some of them, yeah. That were like, I can't look at JBL without hearing well, hell. Yeah. <laughs> so you've changed the game, Matt Hardy. Well, hell. <laughs> it's a tapestry. It's, he needs a, a, a tailor is what he needs. Let's see. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling this up. This So this is a real picture, Matt. I'm saying to you right now. Uh, so right. if you have your phone near you, this I is know. a real picture. This is not Photoshopped. And this is not me dumping on JBL here. I'm just saying I think he, he might have. He looked like he belonged in the 2003 NBA draft class with, with these pants here. Uh, they, they just came through to you. So take a look at that. See what you think of JBL's outfit here. Give us a live reaction. Oh wow, they they are big. <laughs> it looks like he has on Hardy Boys pants. He's he's got the kick pants. Except they're even they're much bigger the thighs. Like, you know, those are a mm. little tight. How Hardy Boys pants are just like loose and you know straight at the bottom, whatever. Wow, they're 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 pretty big, yeah. Interesting. Well, speaking of gear, hardy gear, Jono asked, What made you and Jeff decide on armbands? Yours solid and Jeff's cut up. You both had a very original look with your gear. Uh, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff is very, he, he is notoriously famous for like just going into business for himself, whatever, right? You know, like he, he just feels something and he just does it. You know, he doesn't really think about even telling me about it. So I remember when we first started doing that, he just like had bought these pantyhose and I guess he had his mind and he takes them and he's cutting them and he's making them or whatever. And I was like, are, are you going to wear those? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I think it's cool. I said, oh, shit, I, I should probably wear something. So then I just like, I did mine very simple. Mine were just, you know, like sleeves, like long socks, and I would trim them up or whatever. And I had different ones I would wear just to somewhat, so we would look like a team in the beginning. But like once we changed up the look and we got the kickwear stuff, and once he started rocking, you know, like he would get the pantyhose and he would cut them up in a certain way. And every single pair that you you see him wear, he, he makes them himself. And he's got a very, uh, a very really strict process he does with each one. He takes his time with it and he's very artistic about it, you know, but then he just started wearing them. I'm like, you're wearing those? <laughs> he didn't even say shit about it. And I was like, uh, okay, I guess I should probably start wearing something too. So that is how that came to be. I just kind of uh, – I felt like I did it just so we resembled a team in some capacity. 
Medicated Trent wants to know, how come you never won the Intercontinental title in WWE? Was it another title you were interested in having a run with? Which really is amazing that you never had an Intercontinental Championship run. You had the U.S. title run, you had the European Championship, but you never won the Intercontinental title. Jeff did. Yeah. Uh, you being such a throwback classic wrestling fan, that, that feels like something that Matt Hardy really would have loved to have had a run with at some point. I would have, yeah. Especially because, the, you know, the Intercontinental title had so much amazing WWE, WWF history. I, I would have loved to. And I, I would guess probably just more than anything, like wrong place at wrong time. I was probably on the opposite brand or, you know, in some different program when I just, I was never booked in a, a real strong intercontinental title program that would have worked in a, a blow off match with me winning. So I, I guess just maybe, you know, wrong time, wrong place. Akuma on top of belts here asks, What's your favorite belt design? What's your least favorite belt design? And what do you think of your brother's custom TNA title? I uh, I would say my, my favorite belt design is the first ever WWE tag team titles that we won. And and the ones that were circulating like in, you know, mm -hmm. late 90s, early 2000s. I, I, I love those. I, I I didn't like whenever they switched to like the, the blue and red belts of the, mm -hmm. the SmackDown tag belts. You know, I, I love those classic tag team titles because those are the ones when we were huge fans. We like, you know really loved wrestling and we we dreamed about having those and then we ultimately won them which was so super cool um i i dug the the immortal title i thought it was very jeff it was his art and uh it, it fit him very well and he was in a spot where he was getting like this main this this major push it's like this major player and uh i, I thought it fit because it like that was so trendy right around that time like personalized titles you know whenever they were doing spinner belts and whatnot I, I thought for jeff to have a personalized title there I, it was pretty cool which I, I i love the personalized iconic title too with my silly okay. ass face on it ring of honor what's your what's your least favorite championship design um doesn't have to be one that you won it can just be in general i I, th I think it is the uh you know the 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 blue and, and red yeah world tag team titles. i just i i, I just I, I thought that was uh a step back from the other titles, you know, like especially the the ones that preceded them, the tag titles. I thought oh, the, the tag titles before them looked really, really nice. And then I, I think it was a step backwards. The Divas Championship with the butterfly on it. Just it felt like that was a big step back for the women coming off of the women's championship, which I thought the old women's championship was a great design. And right. the Divas Championship, I really wasn't into that. Um yeah, solid, solid, solid point. Hmm. Yeah, no, there's, I mean, the, the ECW title you won wasn't uh, all too pretty either, but, <laughs> but I know that holds a close part to your heart, so I'll let that be. Uh, let's see, Coach Rosie says, in a perfect world, who would be the Hardy Boys opponent in your last match? Uh, I mean, I, I think in a perfect world, it's, it's Edge and Christian. Uh, you know, those are the guys that we, you know, we became stars with, and our rivalry is just so iconic, and I feel like that would be, a pretty amazing way to end it. Uh, have have one last match with those guys. Feel like it has to be them or the Bucks of Youth, right? It's got to be one yeah. of those two. Yeah, definitely one of those two. Edge and Christian or, or the Bucks of Youth. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no doubt about that. Let's see. We got Luke saying, Matt, is there any chance of us seeing Damascus or another type of broken persona again anytime soon? Uh, yeah, I, there. I, I think there's a chance. It's not out of the. Uh, it's not out of the uh, realm of possibility. Uh, it, it could definitely happen. We'll, we'll see. And it's going to be real interesting to see how this whole scenario with myself and the firm, how it ends mm -hmm. up playing out. Let it play out. Who knows? This might could lead to me being broken. Maybe the firm pushes you to the point of breaking. Maybe. 
who's to say? But what I love about you, and it's what Chris Jericho talked about in that video with you, is that I know that if we saw another edition of the broken character or another variant of the broken character, uh, it would not be like what we've seen before. There would be some new yeah. twist to it. There would be something new on top of that. Why is that important to you to have to add more layers and make it a little different than the last time we saw it? I mean, you just always got to evolve. You always got to freshen up. I mean, you just can't give, you, you can't do reruns. <laughs> you know, that's is much like how professional wrestling 52 weeks a year is like new first run content. Uh, we don't do reruns in wrestling. You always have to move the story forward. You always have to evolve. And same thing goes when you revisit a different character. And that would be the case with, uh, with, with Broken Matt as well. Hypothetically speaking, what might Broken Matt have to say if he were to nick himself while he was cleaning himself or shaving himself, Matt Hardy? Uh, I think he would say, that was not wonderful! <laughs> it certainly wouldn't be, because he knows about the best product in all of space and time, they'll help you keep your balls nice and clean. You see, it's Halloween season. Michael Myers, sure, it's scary, but the last thing you need is to be hairy this Halloween. Luckily, our friends at Manscaped launched their fourth-generation performance package to make sure your pumpkins get the ultimate carving experience on this spooky day. You turn your bite-sized treat into a king-sized candy and join the six million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off free shipping with the code hardy make the right call this spooky season it's trick or trim mm. have you ever mm. have you ever tried to trim your balls and it just turned into a freddy krueger film matt hardy it's not nice uh <laughs> I, I, I i can say speaking uh from personal experience and hearing the story and seeing the after effects i have seen brother nero do that he was uh trying to clean out he was probably trying to cut designs and his, his balls. Uh, but, but, but he he had a disaster, and I'm I'm turning him on to Manscaped. Well, luckily, Manscaped is here to save the day. Make sure you're feeling your best in your costume this Halloween season. You can unlock your confidence with the Performance Package 4.0, and inside you'll find the holy grail of men's grooming items that made it easy for you. <laughs> exactly, you hear the sound. That See, that's what happens when you go to heaven, Matt Hardy. Yeah. <laughs> all, of sudden, all of a sudden, the angels part ways, and you just see the Performance Package 4.0. It's a full moon out, and the werewolf in your pants is howling. It's time to tackle that problem with the Lawn Mower 4.0, the Mower of Lawns 4.0. They're finely tuned pube products, feature a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawn Mower 4.0 is easily the greatest ball trimmer on the planet. And did I mention that it is waterproof as well? This trimmer is shower essential and it includes the weed whacker the whacker of weeds senor benjamin's favorite product that manscaped has to offer it's a nose and ear hair trimmer that provides proprietary skin safe technology that helps prevent nicks snags and tugs in all those delicate holes so right now we're telling you here on the extreme life of matt hardy you get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code Hardy at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code Hardy at manscaped.com. Say trick or treat to your beautiful new Halloweeny with manscaped.com. Queen Rebecca's a big fan of the Halloweeny, isn't she? Oh, boy. She loves the Halloweeny. <laughs> ha Halloweeny is her favorite season every day. Oh, is it? Every day, <laughs> huh? Every single day. I like that. Okay. Well, uh, we thank them for sponsoring our podcast and 
we really got to get Rebby on here for these Manscaped reads. Yeah. And, 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 and we also thank Manscaped for keeping us uh, in one piece. Yes, absolutely. In this very, very, very spooky time of the year. <laughs> Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Let's continue. Bo Cox brand of cosplay says, if you could choose one match from the 1980s you could compete in that you felt could add some hearty flavor, what would it be? Obviously, don't touch Savage versus Steamboat matches like that, but ones that would be interesting enough. Mm. Um, <clears throat> uh, I would love to inject uh, the Hardys into a uh, Arn and Tolly and Rock and Roll Express tag match. Mm. I like that. Maybe into an Arn and Tolly versus Rockers match, perhaps. Yeah. Oh, that that, that that's a that's a great call too. Yeah, I love Arn and Tolly versus the Rockers. In, in the oh, movie. dude, the Rockers versus the Brainbusters. Yeah. You want like a lesson in tag team wrestling? Go watch those matches. Yeah. Holy moly! But remember, don't be stomping on the apron or slapping the turnbuckle. Can't have any of that because you're not over if you do any of that. <laughs> Oof. Ashley Hamilton asks, if your children express interest in the wrestling business, would you encourage them or would you be wary? Yeah, I mean, if, if that's something they, they want to do. Um, uh, my second oldest boy, uh, Woofie, uh, just recently, he's been on this. He said, Dad, Dad I, I want to be really famous. That way I make a lot of money. He said, I want to be really famous like you. He told me that yesterday, right before I left home. He said, Dad, I want to be really famous like you. That way I can make a lot of money. He said, I want to make Google dollars. That's what he goes to all the time. I want to make Google dollars. And uh, yeah, I mean, if they wanted to wrestle, I would encourage it. And I feel like I could help teach them the right way to kind of like acclimate themselves for the the pro wrestling business. But whatever they they ultimately want to do, uh, they're very talented in many things. Well, he's an amazing hype man. He's an amazing artist. Max was just so smart around, you know, the, the younger kids, which are still technically babies. They're just kind of learning their way. It's going to be interesting to see see what they all become and, and what they end up being into and, and whatever that is, I'm going to support them in whatever path they choose. I mean, and that's, that's my gig. I don't want to like try and influence them to be wrestlers or influence them to do any single thing. I want to let them figure it out on their own. And I feel like that's my job as a, as a father, as a parent, you know, to, to be supportive, but let them figure out what they want to do on their own. Barty is going to be the mouthpiece of the family. Yeah, he's going to be he's going to be interesting. I think Barty's going to be pretty truculent too. I think he's going to get some of that from from Rabbit, like ready to throw down at the drop of a hat. When one of my favorite videos of the kids is the Christmas video you guys did last year, and you're just trying to contain Barty because he's being a wild man. Yeah, he just starts doing the delete. He starts just chanting delete, 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 <laughs> and and uh, Rebby gets right in on him, and he just goes cheese. he's gonna be be the mouthpiece i'm telling you uh and i would love to see maybe maybe gothic baby even finds herself trudging down that track a a hearty baby girl it's it's gonna it's gonna be interesting for sure could be and the way that women's wrestling has come along too uh be interesting to see 
that part of Team Extreme once again reincarnated, perhaps. <laughs> right. uh, Mark Morris says, not including Jeff, who's your Mount Rushmore of true friends Ooh, in wrestling? Okay. That's a good question. Um, I would say first would uh, be Shane Helms. You know, uh, you, you can tell we're obviously close friends the way we uh, take, uh, typically take shots at one another. Uh, I would say Shane Helms, uh, probably William, uh, Jason, Riso, Christian, and uh, and probably the Bucks, probably uh, Matt, Nick Massey. Okay. Good that'd answer. That'd probably be my list. I like that. I think that's a good answer. How about, by the way, Devon saying that he named his kid after you? I mean, holy moly. Yeah, that's um, that's. I mean, that's 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 cool. Uh, Devon's great too. Devon is just a, a sweet, sweet soul, sweetheart. It's funny. My wife had finally met Devon. I think just a, a while back, but she she really likes Devon a whole lot too. Uh, D- Devon's a uh, Devon's great people, man. I gave them the parameters: sixteen <clears throat> seconds to forty-five seconds for the mm-hmm. videos for this. I knew some would go a little over. That's fun. What Devon do? Four, four minutes. Three minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> and I had to take a machete to that thing. And I felt bad, but but he just, he couldn't stop talking about how much he loved you. So I thought that was really God, cool. I love, I love you too, Devon. Love you, buddy. That was really cool. Uh, Barbecue Dad 105. I love this question. <laughs> Any good or funny stories from being in a battle royal? Battle <laughs> royals are chaos. They are. Um, right when we first started, wrestling uh early early on sometime in uh 98 probably <clears throat> there was a, a battle royal i was in, in in cleveland which is uh king is a big cleveland sports fan if you don't know mm-hmm. uh and and we were there and i remember he was in the battle royal and he had me in the corner working me over and he was just telling jokes and he was just uh talking nonsense and and just like i was like what the fuck like I'm trying to be professional in here. Why is this old guy doing it? And you can just tell it was like on a house show, right? I love it. And it just, and it, I remember how mind blowing it was like, wow, it's cool that he like is still having so much fun doing this. And it, it was very enlightening. And that, that's probably where I realized like, okay, well you can see like, especially at that time in that day and age, especially like on a, a live event house show, uh, people don't necessarily take battle Royals the most serious, you know? So, so just King was just like in there being a storyteller the whole while, you know, while, while we were working together. And that, that's probably the first moment or memory that stands out and it's like okay well in these battle roles you can kind of have fun trying to pop people punch kick struggle in the corner and go out on time that's pretty much how you got (laughs) to do a battle royal that's really about it uh there's a great story that bruce pritchard told on something to wrestle many many years ago involving the 97 rumble which many look back at as one of the more iconic rumbles at the alamo dome right and it involved uh, that was the one with all the luchadors in it and mil mascaras was in it Uh uh-huh so they told Mil Mascaras, hey, at this point, you're going to get thrown out by whatever. And he's like, okay, okay. And I don't know if you remember the 97 Rumble, but in it, Mil Mascaras just goes to the top rope and leaps to the outside and eliminates himself. And they were like, what the fuck? Like, like you, you didn't go out. You weren't thrown out. What are you doing? And he just turns around and goes, no, Yob. Say, wouldn't do the job. Wouldn't do the job. So he just eliminated himself. Just sort of. So did he? Did he dive out on someone? He just dove out on the outside of somebody. He somebody went out, and rather than getting thrown out himself, he's like, "I'm eliminating myself because I'm not doing the job for anybody." Uh, 
that's fantastic. So if you ever watch the uh, 2000 and uh, or the 1997 Rumble, rather, uh, then that's oh, go watch it. It's really funny in context. Uh, wait, so Matt, what what do you say? He said, he said, "I'm not zobbing. I'm not zobbing. No, no yob. <laughs> yeah, no, no yob. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, there, there was a guy back in the day uh, mm-hmm. on the indie scene in North Carolina. He said, "Like I think you guys have some potential." He said, but you got to stop going to WWE and doing these damn TV matches or you're going to be branded. He said, you got to stop zobbing, brother. Stop zobbing, brother. You got to stop zobbing. And that, that's the terminology I brought back just recently. And uh, half the guys in the locker room are saying that now, as opposed to saying like job or, or jizzob, as they would say, just zobbing. You got you to stop zobbing, brother. If you guys are ever going to make it, you got to stop zobbing. So I got to follow up here, Matt, because we got some breaking news as Uh-oh. we record this. Some breaking AEW news, in fact. Oh, boy. Okay. I just got a press release in my mailbox. Uh-oh. I want your instant reaction. Ready for this? It's you're good. Gonna news. Get, Not bad. You're gonna get a real one. Okay, good. Goodness. Chris Jericho signs extension with AEW through 2025, increasing roles and responsibilities. Tony Khan announced that Chris Jericho, the Ring of Honor World Champion, leader of the Jericho Appreciation Society, has signed a contract extension through December 2025, keeping sports entertainment alive and well in AEW for the foreseeable future. Jericho will also increase his responsibilities within AEW, serving as a producer and creative advisor, in addition to continuing as a mentor to young talent. Uh, what do you think of that? Uh, good good for him. And, and actually, now that you say that, I, I did know this was happening. I, I was uh, I was kind of privy to this info. He's been doing this for a little while now, especially since uh, since the whole big chaotic situation went down at uh, at the pay-per-view. He uh, he has definitely stepped up and, and taken a big a big leadership role like he him more than anybody backstage. Uh, so good for him, man. And uh, Chris Jericho is the perfect guy for the job, too. What do you think he can add as a producer and creative advisor for the AEW team currently? I, ju- I just think Chris Jericho is so uh, so multi talented, and, and he understands different. He understands how to do sports entertainment. He understands how to do wrestling. He understands character work. He understands if uh, you're Danhausen type character, how how to portray that and, and optimize it and get the most out of it. He understands if you're a very serious wrestler, like a Brian Danielson, he, he realizes how to get the most out of that. And that, that's something I think is hugely beneficial because you have a lot of guys that are great wrestling minds, but they only kind of like did one gig. And I feel like when you've done so many different gigs and you, you've been serious, you've been able to create drama, you've been able to create comedy, you've been able to draw money and, and you, you, you know what you have to do to make something work. I feel like Chris is the epitome of that. And on top of that, AEW needed Chris Jericho for the launch. They needed Chris Jericho. Yeah, 100%. They needed someone with that WWE credibility. Dude, and uh, he gave it. Chris Jericho is the same as Hulk Hogan was whenever WCW got hot. I mean, he was he was the guy that was just – that people knew uh, probably the biggest household name they could get their hands on. And just super beneficial, dude. He, I mean, Chris Jericho goes down in the conversation as one of the goats, without without a doubt. I mean, he's he's one of my close, dearest friends as well, you know. But he is just so amazing, and 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 the fact he's been able to keep himself in that top position for so long is is a credit to how talented he is. A blank ass. Do you think that you should have won the Impact World Championship during your broken era? You pretty much put Impact Wrestling on notice during that time. And in our archives, you can check out our Becoming Broken series at ExtremeHardy.com. So you had the title leading up to you becoming broken. But should Broken Matt Hardy have had a run on top as champion? 
Well, the 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 big storyline we were kind of doing was uh, changing Jeff's character to a degree, and when he ended up becoming Brother Nero, we were kind of like focused on on tag team stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, if we'd stayed around, and I've told this story a bit, but if we would have stayed around in Impact, which initially we were going to do until like the whole Jeff Jarrett scenario happened, we we're going to be working with the Young Bucks in an interpromotional feud between Ring of Honor uh, and, and Impact Wrestling. You know, obviously that didn't happen. But there had been talk. I, I know I'd pitch this because I had I had a lot of input in the creative and, and, and booking and everything at that time, you know, especially you know pre Jeff Jarrett and Anthem stuff. Even with, when Anthem first took over, I was still saying a lot until Jeff Jarrett really kind of came in as the head. But there there was an idea that I put out there. I said, you know, if we finish up this thing with the Bucks, and there is a chance where Broken Matt is pushed to go to a title again or whatever, and we do it. I said, I think it should just be a short run because Broken Matt doesn't need a championship, really. He's not like a championship character. But I thought a good guy that I could have made would – Eli Drake was real hot at that time, too. And I remember saying, like, you know, I think if we do do something where I win the title, because it, it was thrown around and talked about because, they, you know, obviously I was very over at that time. Um, you know, I said, I, I don't think I need a title for a long time. Broken Matt is, like, over. You know, I said, but, like, I think we could make someone – you know, be a world champion. And I know Eli Drake was the guy I'd kind of like, you know, thrown out there that I thought would be good to make it to like a, a top tier guy. You a big well, LA night guy? Uh, yeah, I, I don't stay in contact with him regularly or not, but, uh, but I, I know that got over really well, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of uh, piggybacked off, you know, you know, the, the LA night, you know, the, the Eli Drake deal, but he, 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 he really projects this great confidence and this conviction whenever he's doing his character. And he, he's really talented, and he was really smart in how he put his shit together. Oh, he, dude, he's got chops. He can talk into a building. He yeah. he can really, really talk. And he did a lot for your boy Cameron Grimes, who just made his debut on Monday yeah. Night Raw this past yeah. week. What, what do you make of that? Congratulations, Trevor. It's very, very cool. I, I mean, I, I knew there had been some buzz about him doing that. And uh, he, uh, he he felt very optimistic that he'd be – be called up to the main roster very soon so i'm just happy and proud for him man i know uh, yeah, i know his dad my buddy tracy is smiling wherever he is right now no doubt let's get a few more in here let's take macho man out of the equation here is there anyone from wrestling's past that matt wishes he could have a match with dead or alive this comes from art yeah um I, now that you say that i i would have loved to have had whenever uh michael hayes was uh, a free bird in the nwa i would love to have had he won the u.s title one time from Lex Luger, which I remember was like a big upset. I would have loved to have had a match in uh, against that Michael Hayes in my prom. That that would have been a lot of fun. Uh, Alexandra Schultz asks, what is the craziest adventure you've had when traveling? Jeez. Uh, um, I feel like that changes on a weekly basis for you. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> one, one of, one of the, the craziest stories and just travel experiences – uh, do you remember back? It was like in the the late two thousands when the uh, the volcano. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, have I told you the story? We covered it on the ECW episode where the yeah, roster it, right? the roster yeah, yeah. had to pivot and everything because of the volcano. Yeah, because they couldn't get out because of the volcanic ash, and, and uh, Raw was grounded. And if SmackDown hadn't have got back to i want to say we're in jersey i'm not sure we, we somewhere somewhere around the new jersey new york area we got back and we ended up doing the raw show like it, it just there wouldn't have been any talent because everybody was over there but we had canceled the last show we were going to be doing it was in turkey if i'm not mistaken and we had to drive uh it ended up being 24 hours the the whole travel schedule we we had to drive uh to the like southernmost point of Italy. That's the only place we could get out or no. So, uh, so the most point of Spain, uh, 
it, one or the other. But we we had to drive. We were in a in a car for uh, it was like a shuttle. There was a a little bus and then like a shuttle, and we were going up and down these hills, and the they could barely make it up and down these hills. We were on the road for like fourteen hours. And then getting in a plane and chartering back over, we barely made the flight last minute. And we ended up traveling for 24 hours and we hadn't slept. We were just coming off doing a house show the night before and then walked straight into TV and did Raw three, four hours later. I mean, it ended up being like I was, you know, guys slept whenever they could, but it was like a, a nonstop go for almost 40 hours, almost almost two days, which was insane. That is wild. And yeah. so you're, everyone's just going right to the arena from getting off the plane. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go through customs, get your shit, go straight to the building. Mm, those Tuesday night Titans becoming Monday night warriors. Oh boy. That? That's yikes. That's interesting. Uh, Geo asks, would you do a program with someone from NWA? And if so, who would you like to work with? Hmm. Very good. Uh, I almost, uh, I thought about, I, I, I loved uh, some of the stuff Billy had done. Uh, even some of the stuff that, uh, let me think. Nick Aldis and you could have a fun little match there? Yeah. I, Nick Aldis is probably the person I would say first and foremost. And Matt I, Cardona, I, perhaps? Matt Cardona, yeah. Uh, and I was going to say Trevor Murdoch is Trevor someone. Murdoch. I know he had the title there for a second. Um, I know Matt Cardona is kind of like uh, – He's he's working the territories, brother. He's like all over the place. But I, I think myself and Nick Aldis would, would be an interesting match, especially if it was like a, a big money Matt type character. Mm. Person. I think that'd be intriguing. What are your thoughts on Nick Aldis, formerly Magnus and TNA? Always had a good look. Pretty good talker, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he he's always looked like a million bucks. And he's just been – he's very solid, fundamentally strong, very solid. I always got along great with him. Yeah, I, I was always surprised he never got that call from WWE. And I, maybe because he's he's not a very tall guy, right? No, he he is. He is okay. Yeah. So then I'm yeah. That's that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I mean it it is it is surprising that he 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 never ended up at least being with WWE for a minute. Uh, it, it it is it is fascinating. Interesting. Let's get three more in here, Matt, then we'll wrap it up. Uh, David Lindsay, and by the way, I just want to say we got so many questions and we're so grateful because we needed to pivot at the last minute here because Matt and I are taping this on a Tuesday rather than Wednesday because of the Tuesday Dynamite. So thank you for all your help in getting these questions in, guys. Uh, David Lindsay Jr. says, Hi, Matt. I would imagine being a household name in pro wrestling has caused plenty of fans to freak out when they meet you. But is there anyone who has caused you to have a fanboy freak out moment? Uh, I, I don't think I physically freaked out, but I would definitely say like, uh, you know, internally in my, in my mind, internally, I was, I was super excited. Uh, when, whenever I met Eddie Vedder with Pearl Jam, you know, them mm-hmm. being one of my favorite bands and just uh, getting able to go backstage and kind of sit and hang out with the band a little bit when we got some nice, uh, nice uh, treatment. How'd that happen? When did that happen? So, uh, Stone Gossard had a, I want to say it was a nephew that was a, a big fan and um, they were going to take care of him and hook him up for tickets in WrestleMania, whatever. Uh, so whenever we're in C- Seattle for WrestleMania 19 and Stone Gossard and his nephew and who are, their family, they end up coming. Uh, so in return, Pearl Jam set it up so that we could go out and 
see the band and like go backstage and, and meet the band and hang out with them. And that was in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. So that was, wow. that was a very cool experience, but it was just like Eddie Vedder was like, and I just remember saying, like telling the story after said like, yeah, he was like in his gimmick, you know, like sipping on a little bit of red wine. Oh, it's so nice to meet you. You know, like very, very, very much in, in character, you know, but it was like, it was, it was a super cool moment. Did Eddie follow wrestling or no? No, no. Okay. All right. no. That's still put on the, put on the character, as you said, and, I mean, it very much just like, just so like spoke slowly and like very cool, like cool as a cucumber, like oh, very much like I got you. You, you got, you got to be working the gimmick a little sure, bit. Sure. Of course. Uh, actually, I'm going to ask uh, three more now. Uh, Joshua David Greenblatt says, you seem very happy in AW. I wish you and your brother nothing but the best. But with that said, growing up in WWE with Triple H in a sense, let's say a regime change had happened two years ago rather than this year. Would we still have the Hardys in WWE? Do you think? Mm, I don't know. That that would have that would have that would changed a lot of things. That's a very interesting what if mm. question, um, you know. And all I can really do is, uh, you know, focus on reality. And the reality is, is I'm in AEW and I'm loving it, and I, I really enjoy my time here. Steve Duff, pretty heavy question here, but I know you never shy away from that. So uh, he says, <clears throat> "I found that using grief." of the ones I've lost is fuel to accomplish my goals and push myself for you. Did the experience of losing your mom so early on, was she a source of motivation? Is the loss of your father a source as well? My condolences as well. I lost my mother when she was 48, lost my identical twin brother, whom you may remember and my father last year. I'm the last man standing. So grief has become a prime motivator. Um, yeah. Uh, our, our mother, definitely. Uh, I mean, our, our mother was, more influential than anyone else on our early development, for sure. Like with, with her passing, I'll never forget. It was the first time I ever saw my dad cry. I didn't see him cry a lot, <laughs> only a couple of times. And I remember we were there at her bedside whenever my mom passed. And it was my, the first time I ever saw my dad cry and shed tears. And it was like a, a, a huge moment. Obviously, a huge moment knowing that our, our mother was gone. But he said, you know, what our mother would want is for us to, to, to pick, pick things up and, and keep moving on. That's what she would want. She would want us to, to keep moving forward and keep doing our thing. And that's what we did. And like, we were just very driven to lead a good life and also to try and be good people. And, and she was a huge motivation behind that, you know, and that's, I, I feel like that was a huge driving point that, that allowed us to, to work hard and bust our ass. And it kept us very disciplined too. Like, and I feel like that's a huge reason we made it. Yeah. And, and with, with our, with our dad, it was a little different, you know, because we, we got, you know, he was almost with us for 89, you know, he was almost 89 whenever he passed away. He, he would have been 89 this, this last year, his birthday. Uh, uh, sorry, 2021, whenever he passed. But like, uh, we knew he was going to be passing away and, and we just, we made the most out of it. Like we, we made sure, we knew he had a very limited amount of time left. So we had all those conversations we needed to have. Uh, we, we wrapped things up with him and, and we said our goodbyes and our farewells. And, and we talked about how much we've, enjoyed him and appreciated him in life. And, you know, we just thank him for everything he did for us. And, and we had closure to it. Yeah. And, and I feel like that was, that was very important in that scenario because that's something that we, we didn't really get with our mom, you know, so it was nice to get that closure, but yeah, I, I feel like you have to use all experiences in your life, you know, and, and, and grief is, is one of them. You can either let it tear you down and, and destroy you, or you can use it to motivate you and try and, and be better, you know, for that person that you've lost. 
So I, I do agree that grief is a motivating factor, but I, I think any experiences you experience in life, whether it's good or bad, you, you have to look at, at the, the positives that come out of it and, and focus on them and, and move forward with those positives on your back. Did you get a chance, I know you like Marvel, did you get a chance to watch WandaVision by chance? I, I haven't. No. So there's a great scene in it, which I think is like literally one of the greatest lines ever written in a TV show. Right. Where Wanda is mourning the loss of Petro, her brother, and Vision comes down to the next and he's trying to get an understanding of why she's so sad. And she's trying to explain to him, you know, she lost her brother, all that. And he says, uh, what is grief if not love persevering? And what he means by that is, yeah, you know, you are so sad and it's awful grief but you are feeling sad because you had a chance to love something so much or love someone so much. Uh, There is something to take to heart with being able to have experienced that love for someone or love for something. And you should value that. Uh, And I just thought that was such a really great approach to dealing with grief. That is, that's a, that's, that's a very strong, that's a strong, strong statement. It's beautiful too. Yeah. So, uh, Shout out to uh, WandaVision there and uh, condolences to uh, you, Steve, and all the best to you. Yes, condolences, Steve. Thank you for sharing, buddy. Last question here on this Ask Matt Anything V4 episode. Drew Peterson, any thoughts on life after your pro wrestling career is over? (laughs) Uh, I I would imagine uh, in some capacity after I – stop wrestling and I'm an in-ring competitor, I would imagine I'll do something backstage. I feel like I have a couple of things I could contribute to the wrestling industry. So I would imagine I would do that, but uh, I'm definitely excited about spending a lot of times with my kids, spending a lot of time with my kids, my family, maybe uh, when I, whenever I stop wrestling in ring consistently, uh, you know, take, take some trips, travel the world a little bit, uh, get the kids out, let them see things. Uh, I feel like that's part of the reason I've worked so hard. Not only, uh, do, do I want to do this to try and have as nice of a life as I can have, but I also want to try and set my kids up ahead of time too, to give them like a head start, something that I never had, but I would also like them to kind of experience some of the, some of the traveling I've done and, and see some of the sites too. Like uh, I think that's an important part of being cultured, you know, seeing different parts of the world, meeting different people. As queen Rebecca said last week, take two weeks off and retire. Yeah, her advice. So. <laughs> a, once again, that's a very famous quote that I would I would say to her typically, but Undertaker would say that to people. And this is a very famous take quote back in the day. They'd say, "Oh, do you have any advice you you really give me?" Like a young guy, they would come up to him, and he would sarcastically say, "Yeah, I got got some great advice for me. You should take two weeks off and quit the business." Well, thankfully, Matt Hardy has not done that to date, <laughs> and we can celebrate his career here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Cheers. Cheers to you, good sir. Uh, I've got an empty can of ginger ale here, so there you go. But uh, I uh, am grateful, very grateful for all of our fans this week for sending in all these amazing, amazing questions. Indeed. And there is one way that the fans can really support this show every single week, Matt. And what is that? They can leave us that five, cinco, five, cinco, five-star review. I noticed the other day between Spotify and Apple Podcasts, we're about to surpass 1,000 five-star reviews, which is pretty incredible. So keep them coming. We are whores for five-star reviews. We can Outstanding. Outstanding, young man. 
Uh, we will be doing another T-shirt giveaway soon, boxagimmicks.com. So send us your five-star reviews on Twitter, at Matt Hardy Pod, Matt Hardy Brand, John Alba, Instagram, wherever you want to send it. Let us know that you have left us that five-star review, and you will be entered to win a free T-shirt courtesy of the extreme life of Matt Hardy. And uh, yes, my friend, all the best to you this week. Hope uh, Ethan Page and Stokely Hathaway don't run you too far into the ground with private party. I I, I just don't know what to expect this week. If there's anything for sure about Matt Hardy, it's that nothing is for sure. (laughs) Except that the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy drops every single Friday with early access on adfreeshows.com. The words have been spoken. We'll see you next week right here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Adios, mi amigos. Listen, man, I know it sounds too good to be true, but I want you to just do me a favor and run on over to savewithconrad.com. Get yourself a quick quote. My man, Andy M just left us a five-star review over at conradreviews.com. And he had this to say, the effort and communication from Josh was above and beyond. We ran into several unexpected hiccups along the way, but Josh kept us informed and kept looking for options to get things done. In the end, we were still able to refinance to a 15 year loan, or we're going to be able to pay it off in 10. And we took enough cash out to pay off our credit cards, my truck loan, and even buy my wife, her very first new vehicle. We're going to save over $500 a month from what we would have been paying without the refinance. We can't thank everyone enough. Now guys, that right there is a win, win, win situation. Let me explain over the last couple of years, your house is probably worth more than ever. Now, what you do with that equity is up to you. And what I'm going to recommend is we do what our man Andy did. Andy took himself from a 30 year loan down to 15 years, but he's planning to pay it off in 10. Now, how can he afford to do that? We got rid of all his credit card debt, just like that. We got rid of his truck loan and we even got him enough cash to get his wife a new vehicle. The result, cheaper monthly payments. How does that happen? How do you get a new car, pay off a truck and get rid of your credit cards and cut years off your loan? You go to savewithconrad.com. We're going to get you cheaper monthly payments. And how's this for starters? no house payments for the next two months. That's right. You can skip your next two payments. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And buddy, if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time. And here's the best part. We don't say no. We say not yet, but here's how I don't care if you relate here or there. Maybe you had a bankruptcy back in the day. Maybe you were late on a credit card. We're going to help you figure out how to get in the situation that your family needs now and long-term. We want to be your mortgage advisor for life at savewithconrad.com.